All right. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to LCC. My name is Brett Machat. I am the worship and young adults pastor around these parts. And if you are online, thank you for joining us. If you're in the house, it's awesome to have you here in the auditorium. And I have a special message for all the people that are still in the lobby. What are you waiting for? Come on in. Come on in. I know the coffee is delicious. And there's some donuts, and they're delicious. But we want you to be a part. Oh, I see them coming on in. It's good to see you. Good to have you here with us this morning. Uh, if you, I've got a couple announcements before we get going with the rest of our service, so just stay with me. Uh, next week is the first Sunday. If you didn't know that, it's the first Sunday of March. It's also the month where my wife is expected to have our baby. So ask me how I feel about March. And we haven't. This is our first kid. So, yeah, we're like, whoa. Um, I, that just hit me. I, not, like I, not like I didn't know it, but it's just, whoo. That, anyways, that's not the announcement. The announcement is that next Sunday is the first Sunday, and we are having our first Sunday lunch. It's something we did in the summer, and we did in the fall, and it was so much fun. What we're going to do is after the service, just go out, pick up a lunch somewhere. If you can't think of anywhere, go to Sheets. They've got a bunch of food, and it's like, it's like pretty cheap over there. I, I like going. I'm, yeah, see, I get some people are like, yeah, Sheets. And then come on back. If you want to bring food for other people, go right ahead. You are allowed to do that. I don't think anybody's going to argue with you if, you, if they... You give them free food. Um, along with that, we want to ask for just general support for our summer team in Honduras. If you want more ways to help them, you can go online uh, to our website, which is mylcc.info. Also, if you are new to LCC, if this is your first time maybe to church or if it's just your first time to this building, we want to say welcome. And please go check out our website online, mylcc.info. There is a card that says newish or new. Go fill that out. We would love to get to know you. And lastly, we want to let you know that we are collecting water bottles and Bibles out by the mission wall, which is right over there. We are looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Because this first song that we're singing, we're lifting up as a shout of praise to God. It's somewhat of a fast song, and it's going to involve you guys' involvement, not just singing, but clapping your hands. So let's put our hands together and worship him. All right, give me one second. This is not working. All right. You all can have a seat, except for the kids. Kids, I, we have loved having you here for our time of worship, but it is time to go to Kids Life. If you look over at these doors, you'll see some smiling faces underneath those masks. Kids, it is time to go to Kids Life. We will see you later. Good morning, everyone. My name's Scott, and uh, normally I'm up here for the serving on the teaching team, but um, I want to lead us in a time of prayer for um, Ukraine and uh, the people facing war and uh, everything that's going on in Europe. Um, some of you know that I spent five years as a missionary in Romania, which is the country immediately south of Ukraine, and um, during my time there, I there were three opportunities where I uh, went to Ukraine. I have friends there. I uh, just saw a video posted by them on Facebook last night. Um, Misha and Lena um, and their children are safe. They've left their city of Rivna um, and are basically hiding out in a village not far from there. So um, for me, this is personal. <laughs> and uh, so I felt it was appropriate to uh, lead us in prayer. Um, normally, I don't use written prayers, um, but a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, uh, posted a prayer on Facebook this morning, and I, uh, I thought it covered all the bases and did so really well um, and really eloquently. So um, I'm just going to share that. Um, it is written. I will be reading it, but we can pray that way, and I invite you to enter in and pray as well. So let us pray. Creator of the world, Lord of all, commander of angel armies. Human history is full of uh, record after record when evil and self-centered hatred became so big that evil took on a face and terrorized innocence. Because you created us with free choice and moral responsibility, in this life we have the awesome and awful privilege of choosing. 
We can choose to be evil beyond description and wreak havoc if we choose. We can cave in fear to evil when it targets us. Or we can rise to be the image bearers of your very nature. We are seeing all of that right now. We pray for the brave innocents who are fighting to preserve their lives, their families, their homes. All of that are rightfully theirs and no sane good person would try to take it. Fill them with courage, the strength and confidence that comes from knowing they are nobly rising to an unthinkable challenge. Give President Zelensky and his leaders wisdom, poise, and a core of courage beyond themselves. Help them realize it comes from you. Break through the constant chatter in the heads of leaders around the world that always brings self-interest to the front. Help them act with wisdom and compassion and urgency, rising to be the kind of integrity-filled, uncompromising humans they were designed to be. I pray for the Russian people. They're experiencing the disdain and hatred of the world when many of them do not agree in any way with their leader. Help them have wisdom to do what they can do. We don't know, we don't have any clue what that is, but you do. You have promised that though evil may have its day, no one will escape the eventual consequences of their choices. We have seen it again and again. President Putin is 69. He will face his consequences in any case sooner rather than later. You are a God of mercy. I know your preferred way is always repentance and mercy. We pray that if there's anything left in him that is still receptive to the heart of God, that he will hear your voice, the voice of reason, and turn back. But you also say if we harden our hearts repeatedly, we will eventually be cut off and there will be no remedy. You have shown that again and again as well. World and personal history is replete with examples. In the face of all that, and standing in the knowledge that you are God and, I, and we are not, we would never think of telling you what to do with evil personified. But we humbly ask that you issue a call for your mighty unseen angel armies in whatever way you choose and send out a rescue for Ukraine. May all of us who know you and your power but are far away from the fray unite in prayer, unite in action to be a part of those armies. Help us fight on our knees with our hands lifted high. The battle belongs to you. And Father, while we're here, we also want to pray for our team in Honduras. We thank you for them. Thank you for their service there. And we pray not only for their safety, we pray that they would be empowered in your spirit to love on kids, to bring the good news of Jesus, to encourage our missionary partners there and our partner church, our sister church. May your gospel be evident through them this week as well. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old saying. Those who speak don't know, and those who know don't speak. I don't know if that's true or not. But I know that, by and large, the press doesn't care who really knows what, as long as they've got a quote. Last Friday, we had our week ahead meeting in the Roosevelt Room. Some of you were there, most of you weren't, but I'm talking to all of you now. Bruno Gianelli and I were leading a discussion about whether or not the president should stop in Kansas on his way back from the West Coast. And I remarked that the vice president is polling better than the president right now in the Plain States. And that if the president is reelected, it's going to be on the vice president's coattails. That remark made its way to a White House reporter. We're a group. <laughs> we're a team. From the president and Leo on through, we're a team. 
We win together. We lose together. We celebrate and we mourn together. And defeats are softened and victories sweetened because we did them together. So, an item will appear on the paper tomorrow and it'll be embarrassing to me and embarrassing to the president. I'm not gonna have a witch hunt. I'm not gonna huff and puff. I'm not gonna take anyone's head off. I'm simply gonna say this. You're my guys. And I'm yours. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Morning, everybody. I'm a uh, big fan of the West Wing, so sh shamelessly a fan of the West Wing. And I've gotten Kristen hooked into it. I've seen the series so many times, it's embarrassing. I've gotten her into it. And we saw this episode recently, and it, it, felt, appro it felt appropriate for this message. You'll see why later. But um, I think it feels appropriate, even in light of the prayer that we just prayed, just the, the connectedness that we all share with one another, our hearts with one another, even from far away, that as, um, as the church in Ukraine enjoys celebration, and as they struggle, so do we, right? And so we pray for them. This is a concept we're going to talk about this morning as we continue our series in the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, if we haven't met, uh, my name is Dan Nellis. Um, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you folks, too. Um, I'm a member of the teaching team here. Um, been around for a little bit. Um, and so we're going through the book of First Thessalonians together for about a month now, and we've got a few more weeks to go after this. But um, just by way of background, um, the book of First Thessalonians was written by um, the Apostle Paul, um, and it was probably written around 50 A.D., so he was writing to a church that he had just helped to establish um, during what was called his uh, second missionary journey, um, and you can read about that in the book of Acts, uh, specifically the, uh, Acts 17 is where you'll find um, his interaction with uh, the people of Thessalonica, which today is known as uh, Thessaloniki, which is a city in the northern part of what is called modern-day Greece. Um, now, Paul was in Thessalonica for about three months. And uh, while he was there, he spoke in the synagogues for a few weeks, and then he helped to establish a church, and he made such a great impression that he was run out of town um, by the population uh, who were sort of riled up by the, the local Jewish population because they were jealous of Paul and of his success and of his influence. And he made such an impression that when he went to Berea, that uh, the crowd followed him to Berea and ran him out of Berea. So Paul ended up going down to Athens. Um, and so uh, he goes to Athens, and eventually, uh, some of his, his companions, Timothy and Silas, uh, they joined Paul in Athens. But then he sent them right back up north, because he wanted to find out how the churches that he had just established up in northern Greece were doing. And then he made his way to Corinth, right? So you can kind of see his path, Thessalonica to Berea, Athens, and then to Corinth, which is where we find him when he's writing the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, in chapter 1, we were introduced to the church in Thessalonica, um, we learned that uh, how they were first introduced to the story of Jesus and about their positive reputation in the region uh, and about how they had some questions. They just had questions, natural questions, um, but particularly their questions were related to the imminence of, of Christ's return. They had questions about when that was going to happen, what that was going to look like. And in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul reminded the, them about his time with them. He reminded them about how he had set uh, an example with, of them, how he loved them and cared for them, how he shared not only the good news of Jesus Christ with them, but he, shared his, he poured his life into these people, right? And, uh, and then also in chapter 2, we learned last week that, you know, Paul remembered. He celebrated what God was doing in them. He thanked God for the work that was going on there, for their faithfulness to God's word, for their faithfulness to Jesus, in spite of opposition that they faced, because they faced opposition. And he was sad. He said that he was sad that he couldn't be with them. Um, so that brings us to the third chapter um, of Paul's letter, to the Thessalonians. Now, there's 13 verses here, 13 verses. We're going to cover all of them, and it sounds like a lot to cover, um, but we're going to break it up into pieces, um, delicious bite-sized morsels that we're going to just enjoy together, so buckle up. Um, we're not going to read it all the way through because it's just, there's just so much here, so we're going to just take it in, in pieces and parts, so. Um, good? Okay. All right, so we'll start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. 
So Paul, Paul writes, he says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and to exhort you in your faith. So we, this is a continuation of what he had just written in chapter 2, right? So the therefore, I, know I went to an old Baptist church, the pastor was always like, what's the therefore, therefore, right? The therefore is pointing back to what he wrote in chapter 2, that Paul was beside himself in love and affection for this church. So therefore, he kind of was pointing back to what he had just written. And what did he write in chapter 2? He said that he, he compared himself to a nursing mother taking care of their own children in verse 7. He told them that, that he had a strong affection for them and that, he, that they had become very dear to him. And in verse 11, he said that he considered them like children, like he was their father, their spiritual father. And then in verse 20, we read that, um, that he, he called them his glory and his joy. Just, just, he's just oozing affection for these people, right? And so therefore, when he could stand it no longer, when he could bear it no longer, they were willing to be left behind. So Paul, Paul was, he loved them so much that he couldn't, he couldn't endure not knowing how they were doing. Am I, you hearing that? I'm hearing that. Okay. He couldn't endure it. Like, he could bear it no longer, right? So um, because of that, like, he was willing to be what they, the, he uses the word left behind, which if anyone has, is familiar with that term left behind, it's kind of a familiar term for people that have read books about that. So it's interesting because the Greek for the word left behind is actually Kirk Cameron. So, <laughs> right? I don't know. I think it's something Paul knew that was going to happen. No, thank you. I wasn't sure if I was going to use that joke. I'm sure it's going to offend some people. So... I was going to say, okay. No, the actual, the word for left behind, I want to make sure you guys are alive. I'm not getting anything from you guys here. Um, the, word is, the word is abandoned. So Paul was willing to be abandoned in the city of Athens so that he could find out how they were doing. And the word alone there, it's, these words carry much, a lot of depth. It, it's solitary. He was willing to be left desolate. So Paul was willing to be left like alone in a city that wasn't really friendly to him. Is this, should I switch mics? Do you think? Okay. Okay. Sorry, guys. Hello. How you doing? We good? Okay. This feels weird. All right. So Paul was willing to be left behind. I think I think we've kind of beat this one to death, right? So, you know, he he just couldn't stand knowing how this, his children were doing, how this fledgling church was doing. I don't know if anyone here can relate. Like, he compares himself to a parent, and he's separated from his kids, right? I, if, you're, if you've got a friend and you're separated from them, right, you want to know how they're doing. But he had no means of communication. He had no way to connect with them. They didn't have the Internet. He didn't have cell phones. He didn't have, you know, any of the apps that we can use to communicate with people who are hundreds or thousands of miles away like we do. You know, I... I've got, a, I've got a kid in college, right? He's in Cincinnati. I mean, that's not that far away, but it, he might as well be in another state. He might as well be in another country for as far away as he is, right? But I have the ability to pick up a phone. I have the ability, ability to text him anytime. I send him my wordles every day, you know, let him know how I'm doing. You know, we, we're like, how did you do? Four, five, three, two, you know. But we can communicate with each other. I can know how he's doing. He can know how I'm doing if he cared to ask, right? So... But we have the ability to communicate. Well, Paul didn't, Paul didn't have that. You know, he's a, he's a parent with no means of communicating with his children, right? He ached for news about how they were doing. There's, there's roughly 300 miles be, be, between Athens and Thessalonica, right? So if, if Timothy were to walk it, we're saying it's a four-day walk. And then to walk back to Corinth, it's another four to five days, right? And then he's probably going to spend some time there in the city. Let's give him a month, maybe longer. So he's, Paul's willing to be left alone in a, in a city that he doesn't, really know anyone for like over a month, maybe a couple months, just to find out how his spiritual children were doing. And you say, well, what's all the fuss? You know, like, why would Paul care about that? Well, we're going to find out. Let's jump into verse 3, see what all the fuss was about. I just messed up my slides. So in verse 3, he says, he wanted them to be established because that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that you were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. 
So he's talking about affliction. He's talking about opposition. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about trials. He had just referenced this in chapter 2, like that they knew that they were going to be dealing with, like, hardship as the body of Christ. Now, Paul himself was no stranger to opposition, right? Everywhere he went, he kind of, it followed him, right? It came to him, it followed him, it stuck with him, it left with him, right? But now he found himself in the position of having just left a young church behind in an environment which was not friendly to him, it wasn't friendly to his message, and it certainly wasn't going to be friendly to the church that he left behind. And so, you know, part of his message was them, to them was that they should expect opposition. He uses the word that they were destined, which I always think is kind of an interesting, you know, it's an interesting word to find in the Bible, right? We kind of get a little wary of words like, you know, election and destined and predestined and all this kind of stuff. He uses the word that we were, we were destined for it. And even culturally, the word destined carries like a lot of weight to it, right? Like, it's your destiny. I'm your destiny, right? We're destined to be together. Creepy, right? So he uses the word destined, but it's not unique. The word destined isn't unique in the Bible, right? It's just, it's unique in using the, the Greek word for destined is actually used quite a bit in the Bible. It's actually used about Jesus. It says that, that Simeon, when, when Mary and Joseph, when they came and brought Jesus, that, that Jesus was blessed by Simeon. And Simeon said that this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. It's the same word as destined that we find in 1 Thessalonians. Paul uses it to describe himself. He says that, that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I'm, I'm put here is the same thing as saying I'm destined to give a defense of the gospel. You know, Jesus, Jesus promised us not a life of comfort. He promised us that following him would have some consequences to it, and one of those would be that we would face tribulation. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. We have peace in Jesus, but in the world we're going to have tribulation. But take heart, right? Jesus has overcome the world. Paul acknowledges this again. He says in First Peter, he tells, the, uh, I'm sorry, Peter says that uh, don't be surprised by trials, right? That's not Paul, that's Peter. Paul writes to Timothy and says that all those who wish to live a godly life would be persecuted. Are you guys following along here? That, that this is a theme that runs throughout the New Testament. It runs throughout our, our history as a church, right? Um, I've been, just finished, was enjoying a book um, uh, by a guy named um, John Mark Comer called The Ruthless uh, Elimination of Hurry. And he talks about something called the, the myth of the easy life. He says that there's an emotional and even a spiritual weight to life. We all feel it, especially as we age. He says this. He says, an easy life is a myth, if not a red herring. It's the byproduct of an advertising-drenched and social media-duped culture. Life is hard. Full stop. No comma. No but. No end note. All the wise men and women of history have said as much. No new technology or substance or pill will ever, ever erase humanity's fall because, best case scenario, we mitigate its effect as we advance Jesus' return. We can, that's all we can do. We can mitigate the effect as we get ready for Jesus to come back. But there's no escaping the pain. It's not in my notes, just an aside here. I'm just going to step away. Like, if anyone comes to you and they try to sell you a gospel, if they try to sell you a story of following Jesus that doesn't include um, uh, the reality of life that comes with it, that we just talked about, run away, Okay. Jesus didn't come to promise us um, an easy life. He actually said he came to deliver a sword, right? That there's, it sounds hard. It is hard. It's supposed to be hard. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Okay, now I'm back. So like any parent or mentor relationship, like this is Paul now, it's one thing to like know that bad things happen, right? He has the maturity. He has perspective. He knows that things can happen. And he's experienced them himself, but it's another thing to see your child or your student or your disciple or whomever, someone you care about deeply, go through a challenging time, right? So now Paul's in the position of having to care for somebody else. And Paul wasn't just concerned about the trials themselves, right? They're hard to endure. Trials are hard to endure. He, they were going to face rejection. They were going to face resentment. They were going to face uh, gossip and slander and probably some physical harm, too. All, all difficult things. But he was also concerned about the long-term effect these trials would have on this young church. In short, he was concerned about their faith. In verse 5 we read, he says, 
For this reason, where am I? Yeah. For this reason, when I could no longer bear it, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Remember in verse 3, Paul wrote and he said, you know, he was concerned that they would be pushed, that these afflictions would push them or move them. We didn't really cover that, right? Pushed off of what? Moved off of what? That, that they'd be moved off course from their faith, from their, their following of Jesus. He was afraid that through these trials, the tempter, Satan, would tempt them or lure them or entice them away from their faith. Um, there's an author, N.T. Wright, and he, he talks about the whisper of, can you really? Can you really? That comes from inside of us. It comes from those around us. It comes from the tempter when troubles hit. And here's how, here's, here's how it goes when troubles hit. Can you really trust a God who lets such things happen? Can you really believe the strange events of Jesus? Can, can you really go on with your devotion and loyalty to this God, this king, when it would be so much easier to, right? Were they holding fast to their faith in the middle of their trials? Were they being, te- you know, tempted? Were they listening to the whispers and, and being tempted to compromise in the face of persecution? Paul knows the voices. He's heard the voices, Right? He's heard them firsthand, but he doesn't have any idea how this church is going to respond to hearing them. And he, he can't stand not seeing them, right? He can't FaceTime them. He doesn't know what's gone, going on. And, and so he's concerned. He's concerned that all this work that he did up there would be for nothing, that it would be in vain. It would be left empty, right? That it would just all blow away. But, but, Paul's anxiety and his anguish wouldn't be for nothing, In verse 6, he says, But now Timothy has come to us from you, and he has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. So Timothy uh, returned to report his findings to Paul in Corinth, and the news was good. So good. Good news. Okay. I made too many clicks in here. (laughs) i got to keep up. Good news, right? But I'm going to tell you, the English here undersells it, right? as it often does, because it wasn't just good news that Paul equated this, what he got from Timothy. It was the greatest news, right? He equated to the great. He actually uses the word here. It's the same root word that we use to describe the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus Christ. What is that you say? It's great news. It's great news that, like, that, that Jesus, though God, came to us in the form of a human being, and he lived a life that's that he wanted to show us a better way to live, right? So he, he showed us how to live, but he also showed us a way to God through his death and resurrection so that we who were separated from him by sin would be able to like know him fully, not just get a ticket to heaven, but be able to know him like in the here and now and have life with him here and now. That's the gospel, right? That's good news. That's really great. It's great news, right? And Paul equates the news that Timothy gave him with that word, gospel, right? It's the only time in the New Testament that this word gets used outside of the, the story that I just told you about Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm not big into coincidences. Maybe it is, but I think it's significant that, that this is that kind of, it has that kind of an impact on Paul's heart. So what was this good news? Well, we read here that, that, that the good news of their faith, right? That they hadn't compromised, right? They hadn't given into the whispers. They weren't compromising in the face of persecution. And, and also their love, that their love was deep, that they had a genuine affection for one another. They had a genuine affection for everybody, right? That they loved. And this is important to Paul, that, that they remembered him kindly and that they longed to see him. Because remember, Paul keeps saying, I want to see you. I want to see you. I miss seeing you. You know, I, I long to. But he doesn't get to hear, like, do they want to see me? You know, <laughs> that's kind of weird, right? It's reciprocated because there were whispers in Paul's ears, too. Like, he was concerned that this church was being told, like, who is this Paul? He has no credibility, you know? Like, he's left you all alone. But he knows now he doesn't have to worry about those things. And this news, this good news, this gospel had a positive effect on Paul. In verse 7, he says, For this reason, brothers, in all of our distresses and our affliction, we have been comforted about you, Uh, through your faith. They were comforted through their faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. 
So Paul is alone, right? He's in, he's in Corinth now, right? He was in Athens, but he's hundreds of miles away. And in the middle of his own trials and his own fears and his own anxiety, Paul was comforted. Paul was encouraged. And in the middle of his, remember, he was isolated. He was lonely. Like, this isn't just like Paul going on a retreat, right? There's a difference between, like, between, you know, like, trying to kind of go off on your own for being, taking solitude with the Lord, right? That's kind of one of the disciplines of solitude. That's a good thing versus isolation. Paul was isolated, right? And in the middle of his isolation, Paul was rejuvenated. He was reinvigorated. Like, for now we live. Life was injected into Paul. So I got to ask you, like, how can this be, right? How can it be that, like, some long-awaited good news would have such a positive effect on somebody, like, that's not even near them? Like, how can, it, how can news like that inject life into the soul of another person? A lot of reasons, probably. But I'm just going to point to one. And I, I think it's that, that Paul's attitude here and throughout the New Testament, it's a rejection of the idea that, that I don't need you and you don't need me. All I need is me and Jesus. Maybe, if he's lucky, right? That's all I need. It's our culture. I get so worn down by the word culture, you know? Like, it's just like, oh, everything's culture, right? But it's the world we live in right now. We favor we favor interdependence. I'm sorry. Oh, got it wrong. We favor independence over interdependence, right? We're comfortable going it alone rather than living life with others, right? We have, we have houses with fences and garage doors now. Like, we don't, we don't need anybody else. We trumpet individualism over community. We underestimate our ability to give life to another because we hold our cards close, we only give out so much of ourselves. We protect this thing right here, our hearts, right? You guys feeling beat up? It's okay. I'm sorry. It's just, it's true though, right? I do it. And in doing so, but here's the effect that it has, right? In doing so, we deny ourselves the ability to live as God intended. To comfort, we deny ourselves the ability to comfort and to be comforted, right? Even in our own pain. To strengthen and to be strengthened by others, even in our own weakness. To inject life into others or to be inject to have life put into us even when we don't feel like we have anything to offer. Because in God's economy, what happens to you impacts me and what happens to me impacts you, right? It's one of the beauties, I think, of Paul describing the church as the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, I don't have a slide for it. <clears throat> but, you know, Paul describes the church as a body, right? That we all have parts and pieces and some of them are more honorable than others and whatnot, but we all need each other. You can't just cut a piece off and expect it not to impact the body, right? In 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 26, he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. In verse 27, now, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, right? When one part of this body falters, the whole body suffers. And when another part is mended, the whole body benefits. Um, this is the part where I would normally tell like a funny story, um, you know, personalize this somehow. I, I get to see like this, in, this type of thing in action in my home every, every day with, with my wife, um, Kristen. And uh, she's... She's been involved in a community with uh, some ladies in, the, in our neighborhood. Um, they get together. They study the Bible together. They share meals together. They share their lives together, right? Um, they're just going through life together. We're all sort of at the same stage in life. And, um, and it's sweet. It, it just it ekes into, into our home, that, those relationships. And, uh, and recently, one of the members of that group, of that group was diagnosed with a cancerous tumor. And um, it's, it's serious. And, uh, and the doctors wouldn't know the severity or the extent of it until they went in to remove it. And, uh, and so she had this surgery. And good news, um, they, they were able to get all of it. And at this point, you know, it's, it's, po it's positive news going forward. But it still, it, you know, causes this trauma. 
And, um, and so Kristen and I, uh, this is the same weekend as my dad's birthday up in Delaware, so we, we, were in the, we made two lasagnas. So you should see us when we're cooking. It's, it's something to see. So we made these two lasagnas, and we're going to take one to this family and then one up to my, my dad's uh, mom and dad up in Delaware. And the day that we're going to go see my parents, like, we, we, got, we had the timing down just like this. Like, we were going to, like, run the food over to this family's house and then, like, run up to Delaware, put it in the oven, have dinner together, that kind of thing. So Kristen goes over to bring this, um, this lasagna and all, all the fixings. Um, I mean, it's better food than we eat in our own home, right? That's what you do when you bring food to somebody else. Like, really good ice cream, like the velvet, not the, not the Kroger brand, the velvet ice cream. That's what these guys are getting, right? Um, and she was supposed to be just like a, a drop-off. Like, for me, it'd be like, here you go. See you guys. I swear, it felt like a half an hour, right, that she was there. And, and if you know me, like, I'm, like, looking at the clock. I'm, like, looking at maps. I'm, like, okay, we got to get up there. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And, then, you know, it's supposed to be five to ten minutes. And, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, I'm, like, testing her. And I'm, like, I'm careful. You know, you got to be careful here. I'm, like, you ready to go? She's, like, yeah, five, five or ten more minutes. You know, 15 minutes go by. I'm, like, oh, my gosh. She gets in the car. And she's a different person, right? Like, not like she left like this and she came back like this, but she, she, she came in the car and she was, there was life that had been injected in her because of this interaction, right? Because she went to give something to somebody else, but she, in return, she got something out of it. Like, she was invited to come in. She was invited up to this woman's bedroom to sit and visit. And it wasn't just a one-sided conversation. It was... Like, her pouring into my wife's life, too, you know, injecting life into her. Her response to this trial in her life, her friend's trial, like, the, this lady, like, the, the faithfulness that came out of her, the peace that came out of her, like, it breathed life into my wife. And so when she got in the car, I had no choice but to just be like, how'd it go? It was, it was a great car ride. It wasn't about me being on this low boil all the time and, like, whatever. It was like we had this great conversation about, like, God's faithfulness during trial, you know, and how it, how it affected, um, affected my wife. So that's my story. So how did Paul do? So when Paul heard this news, how did he react, right? Well, he responds with thanksgiving. We're going to look at verse 9 together. He says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face, and supply what is lacking in your faith. So Paul responded with prayer. He was literally less speechless, though. Like, he asked a question, like, what can we say? Like, what thanksgiving can we return to God? That's a question. Like, I have nothing. What, what can I say? He found words inadequate to express how overflowing with thankful, thanks, thanksgiving to God he was for the joy that filled him over this good news. But that didn't mean he was going to try. So he wanted them to know that he prayed for them. He prayed for them. He uses the words uh, earnestly and night and day. So he prayed for them earnestly, like fervently, right? He prayed for them. And night and day, he prayed for them all the time, constantly. He said for what feels like the 20th time that he wanted to see them. And he wanted them to know that he prayed that they would grow in Christ-likeness, right? That, that we may supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, up to this point, Paul's only been like hugs and kisses with these folks. It's, all, it's been fairly positive, right? Like, I love you. I remember you guys are doing great. You guys are doing great. You know, Jesus is coming. We want to talk with you guys about that. But, like, nothing, like, really negative. And then he throws this in, like, that, that we can see you and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, we're going to find out some of those things in chapters 4 and 5. So Paul just kind of hints at it. So we don't really know exactly at this point what it is that he wants to talk to them about. Maybe it's some things that came to mind, you know, as he got Timothy's report back. Now, Timothy kind of came and said, hey, they're doing great, but they've got some questions, and I'm, not I'm noticing this among them, right? Or maybe it was because Paul knew, like, the where he left them, like, kind of the state and the community and the culture and stuff, and he wanted to just, like, say, hey, be on guard for this stuff because it's all around you. Or he just knew, in general, this is something that all believers face. But either way, he would use the rest of this letter, this love letter, to this church as a place to identify and address some of the things that were lacking in their faith. But before he jumps to what we call chapter 4, he stopped in the middle of this letter. Like, he stops. He says, what, what thanksgiving can we give? You know, words, words escape me, right? And he does something kind of profound. He doesn't just 
tell them he's going to pray for them. He doesn't tell them that he's prayed for them, right? Like, hey, I prayed for you guys. Or, hey, I'm going to pray for you guys. He's, he prays for them, right? Like right in the middle of this letter. And he says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. He just can't get away from talking about Jesus coming back. Like this is, the, you know, every, every little section, he's kind of got a little shout out to that. So he just can't get away from it, right? I love this prayer from Paul. It's, for me, it's, there's two things that I love about it. One of them is it's concise. I like a good, concise prayer, you know? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Like, if you start to break into, pardon me, the King James while you're praying, like, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time following. Like, he gets, Paul gets to the point. He uses an economy of words. To, to, to convey the depth of his feeling, you know, for this church and his hope to see them again. But it was also specific. So it's concise and it was specific. It draws together everything that he has said so far in this letter. He asked God to bring them together again, right? He wants to see them. And he asked God to grow them in their already strong love. And he lays a foundation for some of those practical topics that he's going to address in the rest of the letter, right? He wants them, he wants to that their hearts would be established, right, and that they would be blameless and holy. Like, those are concepts he's going to talk about in the next couple chapters, and also he's going to talk about the coming of Jesus with all of his saints. So he's kind of praying sort of ahead, anticipating some of the stuff he's going to say to them. But we're going to talk more about that stuff later um, in the next couple chapters. Um, right now, we're going to see if we can put Paul's um, uh, message to action here. Um, you're going to have to bear with me for one second. I'm going to see if this works. Hang on. Hello? Hello. Who am I speaking with? This is Hallie. Hallie? Hallie, where are you right now? Oh, wow. I'm calling you from Tanzania. Tanzania? You're all the way in Tanzania, and we, yeah. can, we can talk right now? Isn't this amazing that we, what a coincidence that we're talking right now. Technology. Technology. No, Hallie, um, we're just, we're, we've been uh, talking about um, Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica and how he longed to see them and how he missed them and how he prayed for them. And I uh, thought this would just be kind of a cool opportunity to put that into action. Um, and so I thought, I would ask you just a couple questions and then thought maybe we could pray for you. Does that sound okay? That sounds wonderful. So, Hallie, what are you doing in Tanzania right now? Maybe give us a little background on who you're with and, and what it is you're doing. Yeah, so I'm here in Tanzania. I am representing Life Ministry, which is Campus Crusade for Christ's East Africa branch, um, and also representing Story Runners. So, um, I'm here working with uh, a local indigenous tribe of nomadic cattle herders, and we're developing a set of 42 Bible stories completely orally um, for them to be able to use in evangelism and discipleship and church planting. That sounds really cool. That's, that sounds amazing. Um, I know you've been doing this for a little bit, uh, for a while. Um, uh, how, long are you, how long have you been there? How long are you going to be there still? I've been here for two weeks, and I'll be here for three more. Okay, that's cool. Um, Hallie, how can we pray for you right now? Maybe tell us uh, a little bit about some of the decisions you have to make. Um, are there any barriers you're encountering? Are, encountering? are there any successes that we can celebrate with you? Absolutely. Um, so one of the really exciting things about this project in particular is that not only are we developing the set of stories, but we are also training 10 Tanzanian, um, 10 Tanzanians who are going to be trained up to be trainers to be able to lead this in other people groups um, throughout Tanzania and even throughout Africa. So um, that's been a really exciting addition to this training. A little bit more stress for sure, but um, they've all been learning really well. Um, and so definitely that's one area you could pray that God would give us wisdom on how to like best give them the training they need so that they'll be successful. Um, and this will really multiply our efforts here. Um, a challenge that has been 
uh, we've been facing is um, the the women in this culture are very much um, they're supposed to stay at home and not speak up and um, just you know obey their husbands and everything. And so we have about um, eight women at this training, which has been amazing. Um, but we're still kind of encouraging them to come out of their shells and um, realize that they have things to say too, um, to be storytellers and to share the gospel in the evenings and things like that. So, um, that's definitely one of the challenges, but all that to say, I think the most exciting thing, um, beyond all of that is, um, the fact that these stories are really changing people's lives here. Um, every evening the participants go out and they share the gospel with people through stories and, um, so far, 35 people have given their lives to Christ. So it's been super exciting. Wow. That's okay. 35, because just full disclosure, um, I asked and she, a couple days ago, it was 30. So God's, that's very yep. cool. That's, that's awesome. God's multiplying. That's very cool. Wow. Hallie, um, that's, that's great. I just love hearing how God's um, using you and also using you to kind of like not just go in and parachute in and then leave, but like that seeds are being planted in the local church there that, that can grow even after you've gone. I just think that's a great thing to hear. Um, can, we, can we take a minute and just pray for you uh, while you're there? I would love that. Okay. All right. All right. You guys want to pray with me? God, we thank you for, uh, for the people of Tanzania um, that, that your reach knows no bounds. God, that, that you want to use your story, your gospel, to reach the whole world. And um, thank you that you get to use faithful servants like Hallie to be able to do that. God, bless her. Thank, we thank you for her faithfulness in serving you, God, in the way that you've gifted her. Um, we pray for her and her team as they're training up leaders, uh, local leaders, to kind of continue the work after they've gone, that 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 would be effective, God, that they are able to multiply that work um, through them. Um, God, we think about uh, the impact that they can even make in the, in the culture, you know, to, to be able to um, train up the women in that culture, to be able to tell stories, God, that you want not just the guys, you want men and women both to, to know you, to, to share your story. But I pray for wisdom as they figure out how to do that in a way that doesn't put those women um, in harm's way. God, that you would protect them, um, make them effective in their work. Um, and God, we celebrate. We celebrate new life. Um, that there's, we celebrate that there are souls that have turned to you because of this work. Um, and we pray that that would continue, um, again, even after Hallie's gone uh, from, from Tanzania. Thank you that we get to enjoy things like this technology. We pray for Hallie. We pray for safety as she travels for her team. Um, and we'll just give you the glory. No matter what, we pray through your son. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Love you guys. Love you too, Hallie. Everyone says hi. Hi. We got to go. Bye. 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 Anyone get that? No? Anyone? Yes? Bye? No? I, okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> So we couldn't say her last name. We couldn't put her picture up because of security stuff. We kind of were trying to figure out how to make this appropriate. So I'm so glad that this, where's Brett? Where's Brett? Is Brett in here? Thank you. Like, he's been a great partner with this, just figuring out the text. So, um, all right. So I'm good on time here. So we're wrapping it up. So all this stuff that we just talked about, what does this mean to you and me? This is, this is the, hey, let's talk about this in our group. So let's talk about this around our tables kind of stuff. So the first part of this is it's, about, it's a story about community, right? We're meant to be together. Or to flip it, we were, we were never meant to go it alone, right? So some questions. Like how, much, how much do you miss being in close proximity to those who are in the body? Some are like, I don't really miss it that much. <laughs> you should. Extroverts, introverts alike, God's made us for community. Do you tend to be more Independent in your faith? How hard do you try not to depend on others or to have other people depend on you, right? Some things to poke at, right? Faithfulness, right? It's a story about faithfulness. Don't, under, don't underestimate its impact on others. 
How has your response to trials been an encouragement to someone else? Right? How has your walk with Christ breathed life into somebody else? Into someone else's faith? And how has someone else's faith journey like breathed life into you? I'm going to tell you, it's easier when you're living in community with one another for that to happen. Right? And finally, it's a story about prayer. I had all these as negatives, like, we were never meant to go it alone, don't underestimate, never run out of things to say. I'm like, oh, those are all negatives, you know? <laughs> so I flipped it. So we should always have something to say, right? We should, never run out of, we should never run out of things to say to God, ever. Paul says, pray without ceasing. I don't think he's kidding. So some questions. Are you known more for saying, hey, I'll pray for you, than actually praying for somebody? So what would it... And, and, and what would it look like for your prayers to be filled with as many thanks as they are asks, right? Is God, do we treat prayer like God's our, kind of our cosmic butler, right? Or do we, get to celebrate, do we get to celebrate new life? Do we get to give thanks to God for what he's been doing in us and others? And when is the last time you actually stopped to celebrate what God is doing in your life and in the lives of those around you? When good things happen, is it like, Hey, that's great that that happened to you. Hey, that's lucky. Way to go. Yay, us. Do we stop and say thanks? I know I don't. Just some things to think about as we go into our groups. So we're gonna, uh, I'm going to pray, and then I think we're going to do another song, and, uh, and then that'll be it. So why don't you guys pray with me? So God in heaven, uh, we, celebrate. we celebrate what you're doing, uh, even as wars are raging, and they are. People are separated from each other outside of their control as we're separated by distance from one another. Um, we know that you're working. We know that you're good. We celebrate you and your work. We pray for um, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Tanzania and all over the world and, and right here in our neighborhoods too, God. We pray um, that you would create within us a desire within this body, God, that we would live up to our namesake, God, that we would be life community church, that we would be a church that is a community, that we would love on each other in such a way that the world notices. Give us your heart, God, in this space, and we'll give you thanks. We pray through your son. Amen. 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 You guys can stay standing for just a second. Ooh, it's good to be here with you. It's good to hear from a familiar voice. Uh, before you leave, just a couple of announcements, some things that we want to share with you, some things that are happening around here. It's the same as the beginning next week, first Sunday lunch. We want to see you there. It's a great time to see old friends, to make new friends. Go pick a lunch after the service is over. Come back to the building. We'll eat lunch together. Along with that, I want to tell you that we are asking for support for the Summer Honduras missions teams. If you want to learn how to support them, you can go online to our website, mylcc.info. And also, along with that, we are collecting water bottles and, or sorry, Bibles and water out the missions wall, which is over there. Uh, it's been great being with you all. We'll see you in your small groups. Have a great rest of your Sunday.